Hey, everybody. Happy 1st of March. Um, so um, that's quite a difficult passage to listen to, isn't it? It's, um, it's tricky, and uh, I'm going to try and explore it with you uh, today a little bit, um, but also talk about some other stuff which is deeply, deeply personal. Um, a few years ago, well, a long time ago, um, actually, when Tate Modern had just opened, there was this incredible sculpture by a guy called Epstein. Epstein. Um, I don't know if any of you saw it. Anyone go and see it? Um, you must have done, yes. You must have done. Peter did. Um, is that just an incredible, incredible piece of sculpture? I sat there for about an hour just looking at this sculpture. Uh, it's a, a, a take on the story of Jacob uh, wrestling with the angel. And there's one thing that I really noticed about the sculpture. As a, they probably thought I was weird. I was literally just sat there. Maybe that's what people do in galleries, but I was literally just sat there for an hour, just looking, but I couldn't help but notice Jacob's arms. <laughs> Do you see them? How they're hanging really limply at his side? I don't know if you, any of you have ever been in a fight. Has anyone here ever been in a fight? Come on, admit it. Anybody? Yeah? Um, I... I tend to break up fights. If any of you follow me on Facebook, you'll occasionally notice that I break up fights between people. I broke up one the other day on London Bridge Station between a man and a woman. That was fun. Um, but uh, one of the things that um, uh, I used to do a lot was fight my brother. Anyone here ever fight their sibling? Yes? Yes? Do you remember that feeling when you just like, I'm not going to win this? And you'll just go, <laughs> I give up. You go limp, don't you? I mean, obviously, I used to win the whole time. But, um, but you just go limp. It's like there's nothing left. You've got, you've got no more energy left. And when I was looking at this sculpture, that's what came over me. That here's Jacob wrestling with the angel and there's nothing left. There's nothing left. He's empty, exhausted. Habakkuk is uh, quite a unique book, quite a unique prophet. Um, it, the actual name Habakkuk means to wrestle, to embrace and to wrestle. And as you read through, it's only three chapters, as you read through it, you realize, oh, perfect, to embrace and to wrestle. And it's a really uncomfortable book to read, isn't it? Even that bit that we had read to us. It's a really uncomfortable book for us. Because he asks some really honest questions. And he's searching for answers and he gets some quite weird answers from a loving God. So Habakkuk is unique because it's a book about the prophet dialoguing with God. Not a message for other people. It's like a conversation between him and God. And basically, he has this complaint that he sees all sorts of evil and injustice and destruction going on in the world. All sorts of problems. 
and he cries out to God, how long, seriously, do I have to look at all this stuff? How long, and you won't save us, how long do we keep having to see the injustice? Does it sound familiar? I just, here's some things from the news this week. Jimmy Savile abused 63 people in hospital. How long? The RBS Bank, a bonus pool of 421 million pounds. How long? Someone who has fought against Ebola, Augustine Baker set up this amazing orphanage, died this week from Ebola. How long? Architects are designing buildings in the UK, in our cities, where they're putting spikes on the floor to stop them being places where the homeless can shelter in the doorways. It's called defensive architecture. Check out Selfridges in Birmingham or various places in London. How long? How long? There's been a 55% increase in the number of people sleeping rough since the coalition came to power. How long? And Habakkuk cries out and says, God, how long? Why do good people suffer? And why do cruel people seem to succeed? And Habakkuk asks God to act against the evil people, which is interesting. He's making quite a statement about himself there. He asks him to act against the evildoers, in brackets, the ones he doesn't like. See, he understands his God to be tribal, for God to be on his side and not on anyone else's side. And however hard it is for us to stomach, as we read Habakkuk, we've got to understand that his perception of who God was is not the perception we now have through the lens of understanding who Jesus is. You see, Habakkuk puts into God's mouth some words which just don't match up to who we understand Jesus to be, the image of the invisible God. You see, he understands God to be a warrior God. Steve spoke about it brilliantly the other week. A God who is for some people and against other people. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar that we claim God to be on our side and he will come with us as we attack other people? He seems to think that God is all-powerful, which is basically his way of saying he's more powerful than the gods that others worship. It's a 3,000-year-old view, and yet some of us still hold on to that view of God. It's like God becomes our divine butler to fix the things that are broken. But it just doesn't match up, does it? That view of warrior God, it just doesn't match up to who we see Jesus to be. 
and I'll explore that a little bit more. Some of this I don't, I struggle to understand. Some of this is hard to get your head around. Some of it's confusing. But one of the things that I love about this book, Luther Habakkuk, is that even in his questioning of God and his misunderstanding of who God is, as we know God to be today, even in his questions, Habakkuk allows himself to discover that perhaps God is more than he imagined. That God is perhaps different. See, to question is really honest. And Habakkuk gets to this place of absolute honesty. This doesn't make sense. The only thing I can do is ask a question about it. And in Habakkuk, we discover this gut-wrenching honesty. Let's go back to his questions. Verses 1 through to 4 that David read to us. And he calls out, how long, God? How long will I call out that you, you don't answer me? How long will I cry out and you don't say? That how long is a gut-wrenching prayer. Some of us in this room today, that is a really real prayer. How long do I have to journey with this? How long do I have to see this injustice? How long do I have to live with this anguish? This week, I received a text from someone who's part of our family, um, simply asking me to just to, she just needed a little bit of wisdom to know how to do something. And she told me about uh, someone in her family that's uh, really struggling with cancer, who just said, she feels like God has abandoned her. That is a how long prayer. How long? How long do I have to live with this? This hurts. This is painful. And all of us, at some point in our lives, whether it's happened or it will happen, we have the how long prayer. And it's honest. And it's like Habakkuk saying, I've always understood you to be like this, but now I've realized that isn't true. Actually, there's something different about it. And I'm going to push into that. I'm going to ask the honest question about who you are. Um, some of you uh, know, know uh, a bit about me enough to uh, have heard me tell this story before. But when I was about 22, my mum was diagnosed with um, cancer. And um, she, she died a, a couple of years later. Um, but uh, there was a particular moment where this clash between what God is like and what I believe God is like really happened in my life. I was at uh, the church I was part of. You'll love this story, by the way. I'll wait for the intake of breath when we get to it. Um, uh, uh, this church I was part of, fan fantastic, mad church, very busy in the inner city in Derby. 
Um, and uh, there was a, a lady there who came up to me at the end of the service. Um, and uh, the church knew that I was um, traveling back and forth between uh, where my mum lived and living in Derby, which is a long, long journey. I was exhausted from it every weekend. And um, uh, this lady came up to me after the service and she stood right in front of me and she looked me in the eye and she said, Jill, the reason your mum's dying is because she's got unforgiven sin in her life and that's why. I wanted to punch her in the head. <laughs> Genuinely. Gen really did. Because that wasn't how I understood what was happening. That's like a God who is vengeful. That is a God who is not how I understand God to be. Why? Because I look at the person of Jesus, the full image of the invisible God, and I discover something quite different. But even in that, I was crying out, how long, God? How long? And Habakkuk cries out, how long, O oh God, would you make me look at this? How long, O oh God, would you make me see the injustice, to see what's wrong, to see the brokenness? The word he uses is shava, shava. How long? It's a cry out for help. God, I've got nothing left. I can't even get my head around all this, but I've got nothing left. So I cry out to you. I cry out to you. I'm limp. My arms are at my side. I've got nothing more to give. I cry out. Shava, I cry out to you. I cry out to you because things are not as they should be. And that's the point. You cry out because things are not as they should be. It's like you long and you thirst for things to be made right again. For the injustices to be transformed. For what is broken to be put back together. So Jesus stands up. Well, it says he sits down actually in Matthew's gospel. But he gathers people around him. The Sermon of the Mount. And he's got people around him, the broken, the forgotten, the marginalized, the ones who nobody else really wanted to listen to him. Remember, he's a bit of a radical entity. And he starts to tell them that they're blessed. And he says, blessed are you, broken, forgotten, marginalized people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. As you cry out, how long? You're in God's hands. That's what blessed means. You're in God's hands. And what is this God like? This God looks and sounds like Jesus. 
you're in God's hands as you long and hunger and thirst for the things that are wrong to be put right. Because the world isn't as it should be. I don't know if anyone's seen the prayer board today. Fascinating comment on the prayer board. If you want to look after us, the community prayer board outside is an incredible statement that's on there today. The world is not as it should be, which is why Jesus said, so when you pray, when you hunger, when you long, when you cry out, how long, O Lord, say this, your kingdom come. So the injustice in the world, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. See, one day, one day, all will be put right. But in the meantime, it is our job to join in with it. And part of the joining in is to bring the honest questions and the answers that we can't find and the answers that don't make sense and we just fall to our knees and say, we're in. We don't get it, but we're in. And we will work for the answers as we journey with you. But we will keep crying how long. One day, all will be made right. I don't know how many of you have seen Selma. Has anyone seen Selma? I think we should just go, Terry has. Brilliant film. Everyone should go and see Selma, okay? It is just an amazing film. There's this, it's about this three-month period of Martin Luther King's life uh, where he is um, uh, seeking to see this march take place from Selma to Montgomery. Um, and it is an incredible film. And um, I saw it at Peckham and 499, worth going there. And, uh, and just the cinema afterwards, just silence, no one moved. You knew, you knew when you were watching it. But there's this incredible moment. It's really well, um, it's really well done in the film. Where Martin Luther King has seen the unbelievable, outrageous violence towards the black population. They tried to cross the bridge. They tried to cross the bridge already. And they had literally been beaten back by the white state troopers and the police. And, and the violence towards them was unbelievable. But they decide to walk again. And this time with Martin Luther King at the front. And they pray, how long? How long do we have to live with this violence? And they cry out to God. And they walk on the bridge and they get to the bridge and facing in front of them, as you can see in the picture, is a line of police. And Martin Luther King falls to his knees. And then the whole march fall to their knees. And he prays. And I am convinced that the prayer was, how long? How long? And then he stands up.
work continues. That's the point. That's how it is for us. We cry out how long and we're faced with all these questions and all these doubts and all the injustices and everything that doesn't make sense and we fall to our knees and we say, God, how long your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then we get back up off our knees and we do the stuff that sees God's kingdom come. And you read it in chapter 3 and you read it in Psalm 23, this amazing phrase, even though even though I'm going to face this, even though I don't understand, even though this feels dark, even though I didn't understand why my mum had to die then, even though, even though, you're with me. Because I understand what you're like because I look at Jesus and I see someone who sat with people in their difficulties and their strife and their pain and called people to join in and make things better. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Even though. And Habakkuk has the guts to ask the question and gets to the end and goes, even though, even though, things aren't over yet. Things aren't over yet. God hears our cry and calls us to join in. And it can feel like that. 